my turn. So then it's me, I was Martin. How do you cope with fatherhood? What about, a, what about a mother? Um, I think, I think the trouble was that we were like you in a sense, complete new parents. I didn't know a clue. Um, and. Uh, Right, a younger sister, but uh, that the boy never had much to do with the sister. You know, Father has become to the end of the day, it's a Sunday in 2020, and who knows what lies ahead of us. You know, you know, Father, if my bet you reveal purposes to us, we pray that we will look to you every step of the Oh Lord, be gracious to us. Such a needy
Let's bow our heads in prayer together as we pray. Gracious Father, we thank you again for all your many mercies to us. Truly, you're a gracious God. And we pray, O oh Lord, that you would be pleased to bless us this night in this place, for Jesus' sake. Amen. You're warm. Welcome to our evening service. Let us the Lord bless you. Nice to have some visitors amongst us. The Lord bless you in particular. You cannot see her, but little Eliza um, sneaked in, ran up the stairs, and is hiding in the top room. All right? I trust we'll see a little of her later. But her and mum and dad are up there. Uh, I think it's a bit early to start teaching her how to do the Wi-Fi, but there we are. Start them young. But anyway, it's lovely to see them uh, here tonight. Our first hymn is number 500. And 67, 567. It's a hymn by Augustus Toplady, great hymn, and uh, we're having a, a tune uh, I prefer personally. It's called Cleveland, um, in preference to a Welsh tune, dare I say. So, 567, a sovereign protector I have and seen, yet forever at hand, unchangeably faithful to save, almighty to rule and command. He smiles, and my comforts abound. His grace, as the dew shall descend, and walls of salvation surround the soul he delights to defend. Five, six, seven, we stand to sing. Yeah. 
Father, we thank you for great hymns like this, which lift our spirits and our hearts to come to worship the great God of heaven. We thank you for the truths contained in such hymns, truths gained from your word, your infallible word, put in poetic form, such music, help your people to express their praise and worship and adoration thanksgiving and trust in the living God. Thank, thank you for all that is expressed in this particular hymn. Remind us that you are indeed a sovereign God. Sovereign over all things in creation, in redemption, in providence. We praise you that it's this God to whom we come again this evening. It's this, this God we want to listen and hear from him through his word and by his spirit. We want, O oh Lord, to have uh, business with God. We want to have dealings with God. We don't just want to uh, come and sing the old hymns and hear prayers and readings and preaching and say, Lord, off to go. We want to meet with the living God. We want this God to draw near to us in a special way. We want to know a sense of his presence amongst us. We want to know, Lord, that you are here and surely that to bless us. We believe in your providence. You've gathered us together to this place at this time, at this night, for a purpose. A purpose for your glory and your honor. A purpose surely to do us good. We would have your people to know who you are and what you are. You would have your people to know all the blessings that are in the Lord Jesus Christ. You would have your people to know the indwelling and power and presence of the Holy Spirit. You would have your people to enjoy the things of God, to enjoy worship and fellowship and praise, that we may be blessed. We live in a world that is by and large antagonistic to the gospel. If there's any interest at all, it's an interest of antagonism. And they're against the gospel and against Christ and against God and against his people. But, oh, Lord, for a brief hour, we've come aside from that. Not in any sense of escapism. We're not trying to run out and run away from the real world. But it's just that we can leave all that which is our daily uh, experience as it were we can leave that for a day for a, a brief hour and come to a little place like this 
where we meet friends and kindred spirit and kindred heart and similar beliefs and trust and a love for the Lord Jesus Christ. It does our hearts good just to see one another, uh, to, to say hello, how you've been, and, and just to rejoice together in the things of God. So we pray, Father, that you would bless our time together. It is all too brief. An hour or so and off we go again. But oh, Lord, we pray. This hour may count. It may count for us, for our lives and our service for our King. Let it make a difference to us. The way we live, the way we behave, the way we pray, the way we worship the Lord our God. Oh, Father, draw near to us, we pray. Draw near to us as we walk along the road. Remember those those two on the road to Emmaus? And uh, Jesus himself walks with them, and yet they know not him, that it is him. And as he seems to make, uh, to go off, they say, come with us, abide with us, stay with us, walk a while with us. Oh, Lord, we would pray, abide with us this night. Draw near to us this night. And really help us and encourage us and challenge us. But, oh, Lord, do us good. Do us good tonight. Pray for those, pray for those who would normally be here. Normally be here love to be here. Love to be here. But they're unwell. Well, there's domestic, domestic circumstances. circumstances. Genuinely keep them, them away. Lord, we, we commend them uh, to your grace and we pray that you really bless them where they are. We remember Gary preaching at Wimersfield. Grant him grace and wisdom and really bless him in his soul and make him a blessing uh, to the folk. We pray for Jackie. We thank you for all that she does and is to us here and to take for her in coming weeks, Lord. You know all things and pray for the family too. Think of uh, little Ruth Bailey and Davis down in the home. Lord, draw near to these ladies. We love the Saviour, walk with Him. Have difficulties now in latter life. Lord, you do. Lord, you do. We pray that you. We pray that you. Gracious to Think of Betty and Jane and Zach. It's a long time since we've seen them here in the house of the Lord. We pray that somehow, some way, uh, they may be able to come. Jane will be able to come. Even Betty herself. I'm Zach as well. Oh Lord, we pray. Bring them back to us in fellowship. Undertake for them. We pray for their neighbors. They're very good. We thank you for that in your common grace. Oh, that they might know sovereign grace in their lives. Think of others, Father, uh, who are going through tough times, difficult times. Oh, we pray, Father. Remember your people. Remember those who have served you and are seeking to serve you. Yet in thy in limited means and in limited circumstances. Thank you, Lord, you're not confined uh, to a church or to a congregation. You can meet with your people wherever they are. And in fact, our Saviour Himself said, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst. So we pray for your people. God will undertake for them, friends and family, to our neighborhood, neighborhood that has known this little place, some who pass it every single day of their lives as it were. 
and they have no desire to come inside, no desire to hear your word, no desire to seek God. Have mercy upon Gordon Road's inhabitants in God. And when we pray for Gordon Road, we pray for the rest of Hailsham, several places of worship, and yet so few in comparison with the many that are outside are inside. Lord, we pray that all oh, the, the gospel churches in the area may know real blessing in the weeks and months to come. May 2022 be a time of turning to God, seeking after God. Surely, surely anyone with any kind of sense can see that the world is collapsing, is crumbling. There's so many things. Man is not in control. Can't even control a little disease, a little microscopic little virus. And certainly other things, bigger things. He has no control. He can't even control himself. Oh, that the world might see there is no hope apart from Jesus. There is no hope apart from the Christian gospel. All the fine words and fine things men say in an attempt and millions and billions they spend on this, that, and the other. There is no answer but Christ and Christ alone. So we pray for Hailsham and District and Sussex and the whole of the United Kingdom. Lord, have mercy upon our nation and by and large has turned its back upon you. By and large has dismissed your commandments as irrelevant ye have rebelled against them and even dare to say there should not be such commandments and they're not appropriate and they're calling that which is good evil and that which is evil good how can a nation survive sin is a reproach to any people but righteousness exalts a nation oh father have mercy upon us. In wrath, remember mercy on our poor united land. Raise up men and women of God. Raise up a new generation of preachers and prayers and intercessors. Revive your work, O Lord, in the midst of you. Make bare thy mighty arm. Speak with a voice that wakes the dead. And make thy well, come unto us tonight, and to for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now, I'm sure you realize that we've chosen the hymns, I've chosen the hymns, bearing in mind this is the first Sunday of 2022. And it's a bit of reflection in the past, but looking forward, obviously, to the future. So 724 speaks the way that our Lord has led us and yet will lead us. So 724, all the way my <coughs> Saviour leads me, what have I to ask beside? And I doubt his tender mercy, who through life has been my guide. Heavenly peace, divinest comfort, here by faith in him to dwell. For I know whatever befall me. Jesus doeth all things well. 
expedient for me doubtless to glory and come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knows. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body the body, I cannot tell, God knows how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for man to utter. Of such a one will I glory 
in of myself I will not glory but in mine infirmities for though I would desire to glory I shall not be a fool for I will say the truth but now I forbear lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth in me to be or that he heareth of me and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations and there was given to me a thorn in the flesh the messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I should be exalted above measure for this thing I besought the Lord thrice three times that it might depart from me and he said unto me my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness most gladly therefore will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me therefore I take pleasure in infirmities in reproaches necessities in persecutions in distresses for Christ's sake when I am weak then am I I wish there were another six verses, but they're not. But those that are there, I trust will bless us. There's 801. 801. 801. He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth both more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. His love has no limit, his grace has no measure, his power has no boundary known unto men. But out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again.
Because the problem with big texts, 
are, people will say, well, yes, that's great, that's wonderful. It's all right for the Apostle Paul. But I'm not the Apostle Paul. I'm just a simple little believer. I just go around my, my days bit by bit. I'm not supersonic. Well, to be honest, you and none of us are. There's no supersonic Christians of which I'm wrong, whom I'm aware. Most folk are just ordered, making their way through. So, that's what we're going to do. Now, briefly, the context, we just need to remember, remind ourselves of the context. The context is of Paul has had these visions and revelations alright uh, as described in the first few verses he said I knew a man in Christ 14 years ago he's obviously speaking about himself whether he was in the body or out of the body he had this some kind of experience he wasn't sure whether he was actually in his body when he was experienced or whether he was taken out of his body when he had this experience and he's not sure and in a sense it doesn't matter he had this experience these revelations these visions he was taken up as it were into heaven into paradise so all these things that uh, he could not uh, couldn't speak tremendous tremendous experience great but then he comes back down to earth and the big problem of an experience is great experience great spiritual experience is what you do next and the great temptation is to tell folk about your experiences let me tell you about my experiences. Let me tell you what the Lord has done for me. Let me tell you how good God has been to me. And it's all me and mine. And it's a great temptation. Now, in a sense, we want to share God's goodness and His mercy and His blessings. Let me tell you what the Lord has done. Fine. But if you're not careful, pride comes in. You want to boast. And you want to puff yourself up and make you bigger than you really are. And so we are told in verse 7, unless I should be exalted above measure above, uh, through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. Now this is interesting because the, surely the implication is here that God has given him this. God has given him this affliction, whatever it is, for the sole purpose of making sure he doesn't get exalted above his station as it were. In other words, God gives him this to keep him humble. Now I'm not making this up. This is what he says. And he describes this thorn in the flesh as a messenger of Satan. Now there have been various discussions and comments on all this. What was it? Alright. And to be honest, I don't want to go into much detail on the possibilities. You can read it for yourself if you like. Was it a satanic, in the sense of some, uh, some uh, demonic attack? Was it a physical ailment that uh, the God allowed Satan to do some things? Something to do with the eyes. Because of this blinding flash on the road to Damascus, you know that his eyesight and there's a little paragraph I think it's in Galatians where he says you see this letter which I've written with large letters the implication there is that normally somebody uh, 
Paul dictated to someone to write down what he wrote. But that particular passage, or perhaps the whole of epistle, he, written, he wrote himself with large letters because his eyesight was, had been affected at something in his life. The bottom line is we do not know. We do not know what this particular affliction was. We know what he says about it, and we know about the remedy. But we don't know what exactly it was. And I'm thankful for that. Why am I thankful for that? Because if Paul said, I had this particular affliction and this is what it was, then I might say, well, fine. So that remedy you had was for that affliction, but I haven't got that affliction, I've got this affliction. So what's there for me? Can I apply your remedy to my affliction? But it may not work. It might be specifically for that affliction. But we don't know. And so I think we're entitled to say, whatever affliction, difficulty, trial, Paul had, the remedy, the solution from God will meet our particular need and affliction and trial and so forth. Thank God for that. We can claim this for ourselves. We can say, yes, that applied to Paul, and praise God, yes, it can apply to me as well. Whatever circumstance through which I'm going. Now, you see now where I'm going, going to get my problem at the end of application. People say, yes, yes, but you don't know. I'm good. You don't know you're saying that, but will it apply to me? And so on. So that's why what I want to do is look at three aspects of grace. Right? So this is what God said to Paul. My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in you. So that's the text. That's the message. God says, my grace is sufficient for thee. I thought I'd just look up the word sufficient, see if there's any special meaning, meaning, and it means to suffice, it's enough, but particularly it can mean to raise a barrier against. That's interesting. And I was thinking, the thing that came to mind, and I can be careful here of my facts, but somebody I'm sure will correct me, uh, the barrier they've got in the Thames, this amazing technological, mechanical device whereby if there's a very high tide, if we, if we had a tsunami coming down, down the tide they could raise this barrier so London wouldn't be flooded my understanding is that the water would go back and to the estuary and so forth Amazing, this great barrier would be lifted now that's the kind of imagery behind this word my grace is sufficient for you it's a barrier to anything and everything the enemy can throw at you. It's great barrier. So, there are three things about the grace of God I want to suggest to you that help us in understanding and application of this verse. Now, I'm going to use some technical words. Um, don't be afraid of that. Uh, and I'll explain what they mean, although most of you know it anyway. In case somebody's watching, in case somebody's here, you don't quite understand some of these things, but uh, we don't want to get too technical. 
Okay, so three things about this grace, all to do with God, God's grace. The first thing I want to tell you is that this grace is omniscient grace. Omniscient grace. It's a posh word for all knowing. This grace of God is all knowing. God knows all things. God knows everything. God knows you intimately, inside out and upside down. God knows every word, every thought, every deed, every action, every reaction, every emotion, every single thing about you, God knows in greater depth than you will ever really appreciate. God knows. His grace is the grace of an all-knowing God. And that's so encouraging. It's so encouraging. Because if he knows everything about me, when he suggests a remedy, a solution, he's suggesting a remedy, a solution that will fit my case. There's um, lots of verses about God's knowledge of us and so on. I think uh, some of my particular favourites are in, uh, is in Exodus. You know, the, um, did it some time ago, um, where God meets Moses, the burning bush, you know, all that kind of stuff there. And uh, Moses asks God who you are and so on. And, uh, this is what we're told in verse 7 of Exodus 3. And the Lord said, I've surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters. For I know their sorrows. I know their sorrows. What is that about Now, I go carefully, right? Because you know me and my quicker circumstances there are some sorrows that we suffer on the Let's just leave that aside for a moment. I think that's too impressive. Let's just talk about mechanics. How that's very innocuous, isn't it? Not to an emotional, unless you're attached to your car too much. When you've got something wrong with a car, 
Take you for a ride. So he took me for a ride around where we live. Where we live about about the grace of God is it's the grace of omniscience God knows the one who says my grace is sufficient for you knows he knows you he knows every circumstance about you he knows and he says my grace is sufficient for you let's go on this grace is also (coughs) Sovereign grace. Sovereign grace. What do I mean by that? I mean that God is totally in control. He is the Lord of all. He is the King of kings. He is in control of all things at all times in all circumstances. There's nothing outside his control. God is in charge of the big things, of the little things. Every single thing, God is sovereign over all. Now, that can cause a problem with some. I Forgive me, but I'm not going to deal with the problem side of it. I'm acknowledging it. People say, well, if God is so powerful, if he's so great, then why does he allow this? And why does he allow that? And why does he do something about this? And why does he do something about that? If he is sovereign, why not? The answer is, I don't know. But I do know that God is sovereign. Because if God was not sovereign, there'd be total chaos. God works to a plan, to a purpose, to a design. God has worked it all out. And there are no unforeseen circumstances with God. His knowledge from beginning to end and end to beginning is total. And he decrees whatsoever comes to pass. He is God. He is sovereign God. And when bad things happen, it's difficult to understand. 
How can you explain it when ultimately you cannot explain it? You just have to say, with Job, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I can't understand what's going on here. And yet I believe that God is sovereign. Various verses that are precious to the people of God. You know, you know them well. Our times are in thy hands. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God. Various other verses that speak about God's plans and purposes. Absolute. Now the fact in our, our, in our experience there are difficulties we cannot explain. But never ever diminish our belief in the sovereignty of God. Lord, I don't know why you're doing this. I don't know why you're allowing this. I don't know why I'm going through this. But you are sovereign. I'll trust you. I'll trust you. Whatever you decide to do, it will be for the best. Well, that's hard. That's so hard. We had a newsletter Christmas. A widow, a friend of ours, died, you know, back in September, was it? In 40, training to be minister. Like the people of the boys. And God took it. I had been praying for him on the I had, I was, I convinced myself. God for the healing, delivering things to God. And I guess some of my place may have said, well, it's not a bit of a thing. Why would you take that young man? Folk who have lived their lives and the glory of God and so on, yes, we understand that perhaps. <coughs> the Lord wants to take a home. Yes, yes. 
like unto him. The little expression may come across, it's not often mentioned, but the two particular places where it's found, and I want to just relate them to you, you know, them and you One is the case of uh, Genesis, Abram and Sarah. They're old, children together. That's not particularly because you know this is the pagans and remain so but Sarah has no children. God speaks to Abram. said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And though Sarah thy wife shall have a son, and Sarah heard it in the tent go to the Abram and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. She was past childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, Am I waxed old, shall I have pleasure my Lord being old also 
The Lord said unto Abram, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I have assured thee of a child which am old? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? The fact that Sarah is 90 is not too hard for the Lord. She could have been 900. God bless her. She could have been 900. It wouldn't be too, too hard for the Lord. She would have a child. Now, how important is that child? Child Isaac, you know, is born. Well, that child is part of the covenant promise that God Almighty made to Abram that he would have a seed. And that seed would be a blessing to the whole of the world. Not just the Jewish people. The whole of the world. And of that seed should come the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. This is an important birth. This is an absolutely necessary birth. No Isaac, no promise, no Israel, no Jesus. No salvation. Isaac has to be born to fulfill the covenant promises of God to Abram. If Isaac is not born to Sarah, there is no covenant, no promise, no blessing, and God has failed. Then in nine months' time, Isaac. Move on towards the end of the Old Testament. Jeremiah. Jeremiah. The setting is that Israel disobeyed whom God's commandment after the gods and God in judgment has kept his promise. Two sides of the covenant, you remember? Promises of blessing and promises of cursing. If they disobey. And they've disobeyed, they've gone after the gods and God says that is it. Put you out of the land. And they've taken captive. Babylon and God makes a strange gives Jeremiah a strange command bear in mind there will be nobody left or hardly anything left in Israel so God says to Jeremiah I want you to go buy a bit of land So what you're saying to me, let me just get this right now. What you're saying to me is that you want me to buy a bit of land in Israel. Now, I was trying to think of a modern equivalent. The only thing I could think of was somebody to say to you, would you like to buy a timeshare in Afghanistan? delivered the evidence of the purchase unto Barak and son of so on I prayed and the Lord said our Lord God thou hast thou, behold thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm and is and there is nothing too hard for thee in other words Jeremiah says Lord 
If you have commanded me to buy a bit of land as an inheritance, then you intend that I or my children will have that inheritance. Therefore, that will mean you will bring your people back into the land. Got it, says God. Yes, I do. Is there anything too hard for you to do? You can bring these rebellious people. You can bring a remnant back. You can do it because you're God. Because you're God and you're omnipotent. You can do it. There's nothing too hard for the Lord to do. New Testament, Jesus. With men these things are impossible. Not with God. With God all things are possible. Some time back I shared a sermon I heard in Wales by a young man. And it was a remarkable Acts. It was the part where King Herod and uh, James, brother of Lord's death, you know, and then he, he stood up and made a great orientation, and uh, he made out that he was something like some kind of God, and God struck him dead. Bang! And then, as the story goes on, then you find the church growing in great place. is unstoppable. He will fulfill his purposes of grace for his people. He will do it and nothing and nobody in heaven or earth or hell can stop him. He will do it because he's omnipotent. And this is the grace. And this is the person from which this, from whom this grace comes. Which is sufficient. Here's this God who says to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. I'm not going to deliver you from that particular problem, from that particular element, from that particular trial. I'm not going to take you out of it, but what I will do, I will be in you through it. Jesus prayed for his disciples. John 17, he prays them. He says, Father, I don't pray that you take them out of the world, but I pray that you keep them in the world. Look after them. Look after them for me. I'm going to heaven. I'm coming home. But look after them. They're still here and they're subject to the attacks of the enemy. They're subject to their own uh, inward corruption. There's so many things happening to them. Lord, they need to be kept. And you need to be kept. And I need to be kept. Day by day and week by week and month by month, we need to be kept. And only God can keep us. This God who says, My grace is sufficient, He's omniscient, He's sovereign, and He's all in my child. So, what am I going to do tomorrow? Whoa! Whoa! The first thing you do is that you're tip your teeth all over the place. You say, Oh dear, that's not And the family will spill their teeth.
thank you, Father. Thank you because your grace is sufficient. It's not easy. It's definitely not What more do you want? What more do you need? Grace of God. It's all knowledge. It's all suffering. It's all power. This God is your God. Because there might be some here tonight, there may be some watching uh, over the internet who will say, Well, I like that. Yeah, I wouldn't mind a part of that. This is not yours if you are not Christ's. Everything I've said will work to the opposite. The God who knows you knows you're not believing and trusting. The God who is sovereign will judge you because you've not faced up the responsibility of responding to his grace. The God who is omnipotent will judge you because you've never submitted to his omnipotence. And say, Lord, be merciful to me, sir. If you continue in this state, all that I've said, God will be appeased. Pity the man God hates him. Hates him for time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We're living in very strange days, very difficult days. Your people suffer in so many areas. We suffer in some senses like the world suffers. Uh, they have problems with poor at home. They have problems with their families. They have problems with their health their finances and all the rest of it and so do we we suffer the common thing but we suffer a different level as well we suffer spiritually we suffer the attacks of the enemy we suffer from a consciousness of, of indwelling sin uh, we are, uh, are, have so many other things going on but oh Lord we're so grateful the God who says <coughs> my grace is sufficient for you an omniscient God, a sovereign God, an omnipotent God, our God and Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, cause us to rejoice, cause us to rejoice, whatever the days about a hymn in which to finish uh, uh, which is a difficult one what, is, what you say do you have something that will challenge you or speak to you or whatever as a hymn <coughs> we're not going to sing it but I'm going to read it very quickly to you. Um, it's found in the grace hymn book but not in the Christian Come and rejoice with me, for once my heart was poor. I have found a treasury of love about the stone. Come and rejoice with me, 
I once so sick at heart have met with one who knows my case, knows the healing of Come and rejoice with me, for I was weary so, and I have found a mighty arm which holds me ever. Come and rejoice with me, my feet so wide did roam, and one who sought me from afar, and beareth me safe home. Come and rejoice with me, for I have found a friend who knows my heart's most secret depths, yet loves me without end. I knew not of his love, for he had loved so long, with love so faithful and so deep, so tender and so strong. But we are going to sing one hundred and Mr. Gatsby's pen and the beautiful hymn and praise of our Savior. 120 times. Immortal honors rest on Jesus' head. My God, my portion, and my living bread. In him I live, upon him cast my care. He saves from death, destruction, and despair. He is my refuge in each deep, in each, in each deep distress. The Lord, my strength and glorious righteousness, through floods and flames, he leads me safely on, and daily makes his sovereign goodness known. So, one, two, five.
together, Jackie kindly gave us a cup of, I'm not going to show off here, unless you have to, of course, but stay And so, Father, we thank you for a day spent in your courts. Indeed, your courts is better than a thousand a day in a tent, so Thank you for the privilege of being here and hearing, having fellowship and hearing your word. And may you bless us uh, as we go home as well and save from us. And oh, bless us in the days to come, we pray. And with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit, rest and remain upon God's people here and everywhere. Until we meet again, or until he shall come, then forever.